welcome to the Esports Factory's very first show. And we have the vision of trying to get way more brands into the esports space. And we're going to go out on, on a mission to debunk any myths that brands may have and to inform brands on why they need to be engaging with the esports audience. So I've got two lovely co-hosts. Uh, well, one of them is lovely. Uh, Julia, I don't, I don't know about the other one. He's pretty cool himself, called <laughs> Ashley Barnard. A little bit Thank about you, uh, a little bit about them. So, Julia is a prominent uh, local esports personality, as well as a renowned streamer and gamer in the South African community. And she has been a front driver for the local esports community for a number of years. If you don't know her, uh, Jules, give us a little bit about uh, yourself and your tag and what you do, how you shoot fictitious people all day and all night. So basically most people will know me as Bish, uh, which is my gaming alias. Um, it is more of a PG version of saying I'm quite a, a hard-headed human in game. <laughs> and um, yeah, I stream on Twitch. I create content for um, local brands that I've partnered with my current brand, um, that I consider myself as an influencer in the local esports community. So, um, yeah, I've obviously joined forces with Esports Factory to do just that, as you said in the intro, Alan, debunk the myths of, um, you know, gaming as a whole, and um, quite frankly, break that stereotype too. So I think uh, we live in a new world, in a new age, and uh, it's time to educate people on you know, what, what the power of digital marketing can do power, um, in partnership with esports. Fantastic. Eh? So I think uh, we'll get, we'll get into a little about a little bit more about that uh, later in the show. Uh, we've got Ashley Barnard, our other very cool host. Yeah. Who's also uh, one of the founding members of the esports factory. So a little bit about Ash. He's a massive love. He has a massive love for gaming and esports. He's been a clan leader himself, uh, mainly on the shooter front and uh, the FIFA Pro Clubs format for the last six years. Uh, Ashley loves branding, loves marketing. Uh, he used to be the sales and marketing manager at Tissot. And um, yeah, I think uh, Ash, you can take it away there. Give us a little bit about yourself and uh, this exciting new venture that uh, you're embarking on. No, Laka, thanks. You pretty much gave my description in a nutshell there, but I can add to it. So obviously I have a big love for, for sports and for esports. I've been involved in sports um, my whole life and esports. I am a console player. Sorry, Jules. I know you are PC. You like the mouse keyboard. I like the remote. My gaming career did start um, on PC, but then went to console because, you know, the, the friends wanted to play together. So I'm a console gamer. I prefer the shooting games, so Call of Duty or Battlefield. Um, those type of games and obviously FIFA on the sports fronts. Um, been involved with brands for pretty, well, my whole work career. So my, I come from a strong brand and marketing background and joining the two esports and branding marketing together is like a dream come true. Awesome stuff. A little bit about myself. Uh, I'm obviously, those that don't know me, uh, been in the advertising game for about 15 years. I love marketing and advertising and I love competitive gaming. 
I've literally gamed since I think I started walking back in the Nintendo days. And uh, it's just a really exciting time uh, to be involved in branding and esports. So with the intros aside, I think let's get into it. So I think to start off, we obviously are hosting the show for a reason. And one of the reasons is not only that because of lockdown and the whole COVID pandemic that everyone seems to be jumping onto gaming from a brand perspective, guys are getting very interested. So what we're typically seeing is um, more lifestyle brands are starting to play in the space than ever before. And uh, I think globally esports has been growing astronomically for years and locally we're starting to see some serious growth. So maybe Jules, you want to shed some light on more of the local kind of gaming front and esports front and uh, tell us why all of a sudden like everyone wants to be in esports and gaming. Who are these esports factory guys that just want to start educating brands all of a sudden, right? Yeah, I think uh, what the, you know, starting points of the whole gaming industry really is, is the massive, um, you know, exponential growth of the gaming industry as a whole um, from a global scale. And obviously, um, you know, from a pop culture uh, trend perspective and just the digital age that we live in right now, it's, you know, about time that South Africa is really caught onto that hype as well. Um, I think we've had multiple casual gamers, people that we consider, you know, gamers at home. So those that just play FIFA with friends, not necessarily online, or has picked up a console and played some sort of, you know, game as like a single player, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, uh, even the launch of something as simple as the Witcher series on Netflix being a game title originally and people actually wanting to see what the hype of the game is all about and um, sales skyrocketing from the, you know, the Witcher series uh, all of a sudden, again, it really shows that people are interested in that type of content and um, also just see, uh, the sheer um, importance of the local esports community powering that. We have some guys uh, locally really grinding to, um, you know, build a local community with uh, local tournaments. And we also seeing a rise in quite a lot of young adults actually trying, like making money out of competing professionally and showcasing their talents and their skills that they've obviously curated over a few years. So um, furthermore, that we also see some uh, really great young talents that are now um, officially competing in, um, you know, one of the best brands in the world, Cloud9, and they are fully representing South Africa. So we're really seeing, um, you know, local gamers branching out to the international scene, but also a lot of trends from the international scene filtering through to the local scene. So um, it is just a really about time where gaming gets so big in South Africa that it's, um, you know, hard to ignore, which I think we're already there though. No, exactly. And, and what would you say in your, your kind of current experience, what kind of games are people playing in South Africa? So for, for a real novice uh, that, that wants to know, like, what are people actually playing? Are they playing Fortnite? Like what's, what are the popular games that are getting played right now? I think uh, most popularly would be FIFA. 
just because our country is very much sports, traditional sports focused. Um, we will even see a lot of pro rugby players pick up FIFA. You know, it's a, it's a very well-known sport in our country and it is, um, you know, a game that is widely celebrated. So therefore, for someone to be able to pick up a console and play a game that they, you know, so well versed with, um, something that actually gets, you know, encouraged at, in schools and so on. Um, it's something that most people relate to very quickly. Um, I think second to that, obviously, the rise of um, Fortnite's popularity on the internet obviously makes the game well known. Um, it is not necessarily deemed as the most um, competitive esports locally as we do have a really competitive first person shooter um, and motorsport scene locally so I would say we're quite the all-rounder at the moment but definitely FIFA being the talk of the town um, I think also then it's worthwhile mentioning scenes like the Counter-Strike global offensive scene, um, obviously being one that's quite popular locally in the esports community. Um, and then other games that are well known internationally is also played locally, such as Dota and League of Legends. So um, we definitely have a bit of an all-rounder, um, but I think the FIFA, Motorsport and Fortnite yeah. would probably be most popularly commercial. And once again, just to to clarify a, a, a common uh, misconception, what do you, how, how would you define the difference between what people know as gaming and what people refer to as esports? How do we differentiate that for, for the listeners that don't really know? So um, it would be very similar to making a connotation by using um, the game for uh, FIFA, for example. So um, in the general public, if you are playing, um, soccer in your high school or local club environment then that would be considered as you know just playing soccer but if you are competing in a you know national level or actually competing in a club with a salary and sponsorships and there is a monetary connection to it you consider it a sport and you will then be considered a sports person so i think the connotation there would be the difference between casual play and playing for a sponsorship or a career or even just you know monetary gain that's cool i'm going to jump over to my co-host old Ashley Barnard there. So Ash, give us a, a little bit of a day in the life of yourself. You obviously are this businessman and entrepreneur by day, a golfer, ex-semi-pro goalkeeper on the soccer front. Um, give us a little bit about uh, your connection to gaming and esports and and your average an average day in the life of, of Ashley Barnard. Cool. Um, so during the day, obviously, I like to get my work done and throughout the day I'm connected to esports by not playing through my clan, through our WhatsApp groups, through reading about what the next update is going to bring, um, which I then go on to certain platforms to read about these things. So I go about my day like a normal person. I will go to work or work from home as you are now and come back or in the, go to gym, come back, have my dinner and I'd like to uh, then connect online with the guys online and play whichever game we've decided to play for that night, whether it be FIFA or Call of Duty. And, you know, we don't game every night. We do sometimes have a break, but I would say at least four times of the week we are gaming in the evenings. And uh, 
how would you compare the the competitive nature um, of you know your 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 kind of real not real but like soccer and golf you know outside, yeah, I know what like you're trying to in, exactly. in a normal environment versus the competitive side of the the esports the gaming side which which a lot of people don't really understand quite yet so playing normally it's fun it's a laugh there's a lot of silly buggers happening and that but as soon as we enter into a competition as soon as we're playing for something or we even just having a friendly against another group of people who want to beat us or want to play against us at hundred percent gives you that same thrill. And that's one yeah. of the reasons I love it. It gives me that same thrill of I'm a competitive person by nature. I like to win. I like to achieve things. I like to yeah, score a goal. I like to win. Um, and that playing on these type of platforms actually still gives me that same thrill when I'd walk onto a soccer field, wanting to beat the other team. The heart rate gets so, going, a little bit of yeah, sweat, yeah. you know, it really does yeah, exactly. give you that same fix, you know, from being on a yeah. Field. yeah. <laughs> so I think, Jules, in, in terms of the mindset of, of the actual gamer, what are brands getting when they start connecting with the different esports and gaming communities that, let's say, a sponsorship with uh, a rugby fraternity or football fraternity would give them? I think it comes down to um, the exposure and just the relatability of gaming. Um, gaming is, you know, in its term, a lot more um, inclusive. Uh, you don't necessarily need the, to be the fittest or the most physically strong um, person to be a great gamer. I think um, it's a lot more mental and uh, it is a lot of time you put in to you know cultivate these skills into becoming even close to the level of you know best in the country people put in a lot of time and effort yeah. into um getting to that level so um even though it might be a lot more inclusive it uh, you know is just as even if not more competitive um and in some stages. So I think uh, what brands do definitely get is just a wider audience, a wider range to work with. Um, obviously, with traditional sports, um, very similarly, esports have their celebrities and the people that they look up to and your pro leagues and, you know, the, the guys that almost have the head honcho status. Um, but then you also have your, your influencers and gamers and, um, you know, websites, tournament hosts that largely focus on the general community. And I think um, that's really cool because it still is very much focused in that grassroots development. So there's a lot more space to try and to play with. Um, I think there's a lot more area as that people could, you know, possibly engage with groups of people that they don't necessarily reach um, through traditional marketing platforms. Um, and also, dare I say, most gamers don't necessarily watch TV anymore. <laughs> so um, times are changing. We're spending a yeah. lot more time behind our computers and um, talking to our friends over these headsets instead of spending a lot of time on social media. Um, the content that we search for is more geared to how to get better at video games or, you know, the latest video game or your latest gaming influencer um, and a little bit less on the front of, you know, finding new sports people to follow. Um, 
And that is just, you know, the, the younger crowd. I think that is just, again, another trend that is filtering through, through the growth of esports. Um, so, yeah, I think it just opens up an area that is yet to be explored in the marketing area. So we obviously touched briefly on influencers there. So for brand right now, there's obviously a variety of ways to kind of tap into this esports and gaming market. So would I be correct in saying we've got online tournaments that brands could host and, and engage with. We've got influencers. So mm-hmm. actual esports influencers in the, in the country, which we'll, we'll dabble with, which you are one of. And um, we've obviously got different kinds of in-game advertising. <coughs> could you kind of yeah. take us through those different opportunities for brands like and, and, and how you see the engagement factor working? Yeah. So um, from an influencer or, you know, rather, you know, portal that I would rather say, because, you know, we are influencers, but largely you don't really call um, organizations influencers. So um, the cool thing about gamers and, you know, the type of um, the methods that gamers use to interact with other gamers or just, you know, find information is very much digital. And, um, you know, it's kind of utilized through social media, um, mostly social media and live streaming services. So the same digital marketing strategies usually apply in these scenarios. Um, You get obviously bloggers, uh, people that create news um, and updates on the gaming industry locally, um, even those who promote latest games and do reviews on games. Um, And then obviously filtering down more into the tech realm where, you know, generally tech does go hand in hand with video gaming. So you do have that um, target audience as well. Um, And then obviously looking at tournament hosts and organizers, which would be people that have access to a large group of gamers who actively compete or seek um, ways to compete and um, whether they are professionals or amateurs or just casual starting out um, there's usually a very wide variety of people following those tournament organizers um, and them also having that direct link into the local esports community which is really powerful um, and then you know you have your esports influences which um, doesn't necessarily have to be esports. Like they can also just be gaming personalities, yeah, yeah. which to ta- some degrees um, still speak to the same audience. So um, you know, you get people that don't necessarily compete, but would do playthroughs, um, would do you know any sorts of content when it comes to game design. Um, you know, you get even some really popular people that do. Uh, art and drawing and educational videos so there's actually quite a large variety of people that dabble into the world of gaming as a whole and not just necessarily esports obviously for myself um, I've been a competitive player for a very long time and the content that I put out is only competitive play so that would be um, community engagement so I would always make sure to um, increase the engagement of my community and the reach of the community and, um, you know, see how far I can take that. But um, my main focus is obviously competing and um, actually making a name for myself as a 
esports professional. So there are definitely different categories and different types of people, um, but ultimately we speak to the same audience. That's actually what I was going to ask you. I was, I was going to ask you a little bit about the audience. So obviously f for your, let's say, marketer or, or brand that hasn't worked with, with an esports influencer, what, what, what is the audience looking to get out of following a gaming or esports personality? So like for, for someone like myself, uh, those who don't know me know that I'm a FIFA addict and I play uh, a lot of FIFA. I I'm always trying to improve and look for tips. And I follow quite a few of the global guys. Just so, one, I enjoy following them and watching the games because the guys are really good. But I'm looking to improve my gaming so that when I go out and I compete, even though I'm not a, a pro, um, I still want to be competitive and I'm looking for, for that kind of, uh, yeah, that kind of coaching. So I'd say my first interaction was reaching out and looking like, how do I get better? And then almost falling in love with this, with these influences and like, geez, these oaks are really good. They're really cool. Yeah. So how would you, is that a similar kind of journey that happens from, from a consumer perspective? Absolutely. I think um, going back to the points I made in the start of the call in the intro, I think is that gaming is extremely inclusive and it also has um, a sense of relatability um, that people have. Just if you've ever played Skyrim, you know, something really silly that is just like, it's not a silly game. It's a really cool game, but like, it's a cool game, but I mean like something that's not like not necessarily deemed an esports. Um, and a lot of people watch those types of playthrough games um, just to have that content. And, you know, you can actually see statistically from a global perspective, the increase of gaming content and how many people search for gaming content is you can't deny that um, it is something that people are interested in and constantly looking for. So there's an entertainment side of it where, you know, gaming is something that is entertaining. It is something that has um, a large lifetime to it. It's not just a Netflix series that starts and ends. It is, you know, a streamer that goes live pretty much every single evening for about six hours and plays games and communicates with you directly and answers your questions and you can play games with them or you can just laugh at them failing or you can be in awe of how good they are. You know, the amount of people that really put effort into pushing their content into making it um, engaging and inclusive and interesting is, you know, it, the lengths are quite vast, as I'm sure you guys um, have seen with brands like 100 Thieves being, you know, real front runners in that sort of movement of getting influencers to um, really interact with audiences. So I think a lot of that is filtering down into how content creators are thinking locally. And uh, with that blueprint, almost um, having a local person representing your community, um, you know, it's safe to say that, you know, the loyalty um, is already there, but um, also having the opportunity to get to see where, where they're entering, what they're doing, where these scenes are, and just following the people, following the characters, um, following the organizations, being, you know, proper interested into the results that come from the events. Um, I think those are all very valuable um, avenues of content, I would say. 
So yeah, I think people seek a little bit of everything and there is yeah. a little bit of everything available. Um, so it really is just a matter of, um, you know, bringing it back to brands, uh, finding um, a influencer or a portal that, you know, suits the type of content um, and the brand message that you're trying to speak as well. Awesome. Ash, on your side, you obviously uh, engage a lot with uh, some of the local tournament hosts and, and, and their offering. Tell us a little bit more about that and why we're seeing such a major growth in web traffic and signups to, to tournaments. So for, for those of you that don't know, we obviously uh, started our business a couple of months ago for the sole reason of bringing you know, brands into the esports space. But we obviously decided to have some fun and, and create our own FIFA tournament. And we opened it up to the public and within two days, we had 128 participants for our FIFA tournament all wanting to try their hand at winning 5k. Um, Ash, tell us a little bit more about that and, and uh, why, why is this happening? Why are so many people playing tournaments at the moment? Well, I think uh, the first thing is that people have uh, something cool to do and still try to compete. Uh, and, also, and loads of time to do it. <laughs> Yeah, and listen, people are still working and stuff, but uh, the tournament is still hosted on a weekend. So even if it wasn't in COVID, we would still have a great turnaround, turnout. Uh, I think it's also just people want to start um, testing themselves. You know, it's nice to actually see uh, where they actually could, let's say, rank and how they are against non-bot players and actually competing against other human beings to actually see how well they actually play FIFA because let me tell you sometimes it's a little bit of an eye-opener and sometimes it's a great feeling as well um, myself like when I beat a clan or beat another person it just gives me a lot more satisfaction than playing the single player campaign or playing against the computer and I think um, obviously there is a cash incentive to it everybody likes a bit of cash so that obviously helps and it's just great for the community to actually just test themselves and see where they can go okay cool um from a local tournament host perspective, who are the kind of leaders within that space? So right now we have, um, we have been in conversation with multiple partners, um, but we are at the moment hosting our current tournament with ACGL. Uh, they are one of our preferred suppliers or partners when coming to tournament hosts and also being FIFA, they were the, for us, uh, front runners for hosting FIFA events. So we've played uh, ourselves at the Esports Factory, we've played in multiple different FIFA tournaments over different platforms and just felt that the ACGL platform is, was the most smooth, you know, most user-friendly and engaging where everything is focused on a platform and not sending you to third-party sites or, you know, channels to actually play in this tournament. So for a person that's new to this, um, I really, really think ACGL delivers on that very easy to awesome. use jules do you want to chip in anything there regarding tournaments think, uh, and online tournament hosts there's also <laughs> obviously atk lead the way in the, the sim racing department yes and- yeah 
So yeah, um, definitely, yeah, now that we've covered ACGL, I definitely um, agree there. Uh, Nick is obviously a veteran in the scene of esports locally and um, someone that really knows the ins and outs of how to successfully run an online tournament, but also not just online, um, physical tournaments as well and great exhibitions with that too. So he has a lot of experience in that. Um, I think ATK is what I would still consider someone newer um, to the local esports industry from a tournament host perspective, but they really, um, you know, are far advanced when it comes to um, hosting events at their actual venues. So they are one of the um, orgs that actually have state-of-the-art international grade um, esports venues, uh, one in Cape Town that does really, really well. And um, they obviously host fantastic events there that really benefit the community, but also, um, you know, other than motorsport, which they obviously lead the way in, um, they've recently done a great campaign with the Kailami Nine Hour guys, um, which was really, really cool. And uh, they will continue to pave the way for a motorsport South Africa to um, really, you know, showcase what sim racing can do. Um, that's something that a lot of people are very passionate about. However, sim racing rigs are extremely expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. something that is not readily available in South Africa yet. So um, I think there's a lot of growth happening there, specifically now during this very, you know, odd time with COVID-19 and uh, all Formula One races being postponed. We're seeing a lot more of these Formula One and motorsport events happening virtually, which is very interesting um, and awesome that they're taking that opportunity to sort of, you know, switch over and still create content and support the fans. And it's a massive fan base, let's be honest. So um, other than that, Overwatch and Rainbow Six Siege is just a few to a uh, few titles to name um, that ATK also really just benefited from. So, guys, can we jump to some of the questions being asked here? Because some of the stuff we're talking yeah. about covers a little bit what Julia said. So, so I'm going to start yeah, with the most uh, relevant. Go um, through the questions from the guests uh, in the webinar. There. So <laughs> we've got a question from uh, Federico. He's asking, um, "What is a racing gig?" So racing, I'm assuming it's more sim racing focused. Um, a racing gig or racing rig? I think I'm presuming you meant rig because that's what you I said. Think he, I he think you meant racing. Rig. Yeah. Okay, cool. So a racing rig will be um, <laughs> will basically consist out of a steering wheel um, that actually has to be of a certain level quality um, to handle the types of you know competition that. Um, uh, you have to compete in because obviously most of these are GT3 or Formula One races. So they actually have specific steering wheels for that. Um, and then uh, you have your entire play seat um, gadgets with the pedals and all involved. Um, and usually that is all hooked up to a PlayStation or a PC, uh, most frequently a PC and a TV. So it's quite a, quite a big getup. <laughs> it's quite a big uh, rig and it's not something that's super cheap so um, as far as I understand the play seat rigs are mostly imported from the US um, but yeah you guys can just google play seat and uh, you can get a good idea of what a racing rig is so pretty much a racing rig is a car that's in your house that you're actually just racing online hooked up to your TV yeah 
Cool. Um, okay, to the next one. Um, at Bruce, a question from Bruce. Guys, you can jump in here as well, because I think, uh, Julius, you can answer the second part of this question. How, how, to, how, to you, how do you divide your time between competing, training, producing content, including streaming? So from our side, being a casual gamer, um, it's a hobby. So like you would do any other hobby if you, were, if you were going to go to gym, if you were to go to soccer practice, piano lessons, whatever you do, you plan for it. So you plan to fit it into your life, lifestyle mm-hmm. or your schedule. On the, on the side of producing content and streaming, I'm not a streamer, so I don't really put my focus or thought into that. My time is just on my remote and behind my screen. Cool. Cool. So um, for me, <laughs> I don't really sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have now over the last few years really come to understand the power of multitasking and uh, just how to manage like a few things at the same time. So for me, I obviously also take a lot of pride in fitness and and focusing on that. It's something that I've always been very focused on. And ironically, a lot of people find this quite surprising because I'm a gamer, I don't know why, but um, yeah, most gamers do work out. surprising yeah. me and um, I think, uh, yeah, if, so, if I can uh, Jules let's let's debunk yeah. that myth while we're on it so obviously <laughs> sure. you're very privileged to have a little bit of a deal running with Adidas mm. and obviously I'd, I'd love to talk about that because Adidas are, are very well known from a local and global perspective in terms of working with celebrity influencers and sports icons and yeah. I think one of the things that has come up in, in, in our dealing in our dealings is brands not quite finding the reach that they want to with esports influences in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, pretty much saying, okay, cool, well, there's not enough reach um, playing the the digital vanity card and, and, and kind of turning away that potential opportunity where You've managed yeah. to get it right. So maybe give us a little bit of inclination or understanding, sorry, as to how that works. So I think what it really is, if I can be quite honest, is that um, just with the rise of the, the concept of esports not being um, so taboo and so, you know, dingy and I don't know how else people explain it, but, you know, for the longest time esports has been seen or gaming as a whole has been seen as like a very negative connotation to health. And, um, you know, largely there are risks, um, but as with any sport, really, um, you know, injury and, you know, stuff like that is still very much a possibility with esports and so on. Maybe not to the agree, degree of something like a rugby player, but um, there's still a lot of spaces where it could be to your detriment of your health. And I think um, over the last few years, front runners in the esports community have really been focusing on making that less um, of an issue and educating gamers on how to, you know, um, be healthy. Uh, one of those examples would be Astralis, uh, one of the best Counter-Strike teams in the world, um, who actually has a psychologist, a sports scientist. They have um, a dietitian that makes sure that they eat healthily. Um, they actually have to work out. It's part of the training regime. Sure. And, um, it's like a, you know, like any it's, other professional soccer team. It's or like any other, the same setup. 
same setup uh, maybe Strong less body, strict on mind. having abs 100%. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I, other than that um so for me i think i've just um always had an affinity to fitness and it's something that i've always had a passion for um as with many of my fellow gamers um and teammates and um you know it's just something that i've always tried to put forward and and focus on and i think when a brand notices a um influencer that has similar values to their brand it's an easy connection um i know adidas has been wanting to get into the local from a local perspective and um, esports community for a while um usually those lifestyle brands are quite involved when it comes from an international perspective already so um they actually sponsor some insane um esports teams already internationally but locally i think sure. it was a time for them to just start yeah you know finding out and figuring out and um, i actually went to a, a seminar where i spoke about esports and my life as an esports professional and um, a colleague from um, adidas was there and then referred me to the marketing manager and that's how we got the conversation going where um, i actually sat down and it was mostly just a, a conversation on what is esports south africa and um yeah they were interested to explore it a bit further and that's how i got here but um there you go <laughs> nice branding um so yeah for me that that's really cool it's, it's really cool seeing a lot more sporting health fitness yeah. companies coming mm. to esports now look i obviously uh i love it and i think it's such a relevant uh point to make up because Myself, being a soccer player growing up and, and being completely obsessed with, with soccer, you know, you've kind of been, the, the brand has been an aspirational brand of mine since, yeah, geez, probably the last 20 years from the mm -hmm. days of Adidas Predators. And um, it's just such an amazing thing to see them starting to tie up with different esports crews in South Africa. I see there's also a affiliation with some of the FIFA esports pros. Um, in the in the country, I've, I see they're kitting some of them out when they're gaming and that kind of thing. So, I think there's obviously a, a relevant audience that they are seeing with with esports, mm -hmm. and it's it's I guess yeah, it's just such an exciting time to watch some of these lifestyle brands take that lead. Eh? Yeah. Ash, were there any more questions? We obviously um, we're yeah, running out of time now, but so uh, what? few cool ones if i may yeah. highlight one yeah, yeah. Um, i like the one about the going to bed and seeing esports images in your brain <laughs> yeah that definitely does Who's happen i'm not Who's gonna lie from? so it's from bruce so it's what is at alan this is for you what is okay. the longest playing session you've ever put in and do you ever go to bed and see game images dancing in your brain it all depends though um Obviously, so my lifestyle's a, a little bit different now. I've got a, a three-year-old and uh, I run businesses. But um, I have hit 24-hour uh, sessions when I was a bit younger. It wasn't eSports or, or any LAN kind of thing. It was back in the, the old gaming days. Uh, recently, uh, probably I can have a full go. I've had eight, nine-hour sessions of FIFA. <laughs> And I lie in bed for like an hour, hour and a half later thinking about my tactics and my analytics and how many passes I missed. It's, it's the same mindset as real football. Um, if you're a competitive human, it offers you the same fix as Ashley mentioned earlier. And that's why 
even as a businessman, I love it. It's uh, Ash and I office, like, often discuss it, and it's a breakaway. You know, right now, you can't go outside either. You can't go running. You can't go and play golf. You need a, a place to have a letter. So whether yeah. you're a guy or a girl, um, it's, yeah, it's a letter. So I hope that answers it. Jules, did you want to – do you see <laughs> – do you see images of dead humans or dead virtual humans when you're shooting people? If, guys, anyway, it's so bad. Well, like, if I haven't seen Julia, she's brilliant. You guys need to watch her stream. She's another level, eh? If I can be very honest, I often dream of my life set in yeah. a Counter-Strike map. So I would dream <laughs> about something that is actually happening in my life, but I'm walking around on, like, dust too. It's, sure. It happens to me very frequently. I'm not even going to lie. And I think the longest gaming session that I have was 36 hours straight. And um, I'm not going to lie. I'm not jumping at the opportunity to do that anytime soon again. But I used to do that pretty frequently when I was in high school. And that was just after I went um, into a more competitive state with Call of Duty 4. And it was just something that I wanted to dedicate all my time and energy to so i used to go to lands and it felt like if you would sleep that you would miss something so the fomo was just too hard and i would just stay awake and then on that sunday you get to mcdonald's coffee you push through <laughs> on your way home you just crash <laughs> and you wake up and it's school <laughs> but um yeah no i definitely i'm not proud of that i don't recommend not sleeping for three days but it can be done <laughs> Yeah, look, I think uh, what's really awesome here is that with the like, look, it's it, it's my my opinion and my perspective with the evolution of gaming, and also parenting skills and and having control measures over your kids. I think you know people have allowed their kids to start gaming, but with balance. And obviously, yeah. uh, you know, as you get older, it's your own responsibility to look after your own health. But mm. what you regularly see is, you know kind of parents setting up like certain hours their kids can game. Sometimes yeah. gaming almost becomes a reward for doing their homework. And I mean, I, I watched something the other day on, uh, I think it was E! News. And I was so impressed. It was, a, it was a talk about how people are encouraging gaming online versus solo gaming. You know, it helps teenagers develop different dialogue and conversational skills and social skills. Yeah. And right now, guys playing Fortnite together, probably one of the best things they can do, else everyone's going to just become locked away yeah. and, yeah, go crazy. So there are some massive, massive uh, benefits yeah. to to that side I of agree. things. So. I think what's really cool and something that I've always said on that topic, um, because, I mean, I feel quite, quite strongly about, you know, letting your kids play games. I mean, my mom you know shame she as a very Afrikaans woman not understanding necessarily who we're talking to or wh what we're doing um I think you know as a young teenager on the internet it, it can be scary and I understand that but um there was a level of moderation that went into you know going with us to land parties and introducing you know herself to our friends and you know seeing okay this is a safe space for my kids to be and you know speaking to admins and understanding the community and I think largely what benefited um, you know that relationship the most was actually her interest into finding out why we are so interested in it and that's a small bit of investment of you know energy into just understanding 
made it a lot more easy to manage because then it is, you know, you can understand where the level of, okay, this is maybe getting a little bit unhealthy versus, okay, this is a safe space. I'm allowing my kid to play with other kids. Mm. It's just on the internet. So um, it's very much the same principles apply. I do feel like um, definitely moderation needs to be uh, utilized when parents allow kids to play specifically younger kids um, and specifically in games like Fortnite, where there are um, a really there's a really big group um, age group that plays Fortnite. so um, specifically if your kid is between the ages of 10 and 15 I highly recommend you know turning off the option to speak to people and rather maybe saying find yourself some friends at school and you know jump onto a voice call on whatsapp and talk to each other that way rather than open talking to people just because it does allow an opportunity for things to be heard or said that's not necessarily um you know pg so um that's what i always recommend it's just you know doing some you know, giving some time into um, research and understanding. And uh, I think you would be pleasantly surprised. I have many friends of mine whose parents are extremely invested in their esports career. My mom created a Twitch account. She watches my Twitch and her name is Julia's mom. And she would come (laughs) onto channel and shout at me for swearing and being unnecessary. And I'll be like, mom, like just chill. And everybody else will be speaking to her. So it's a really cool concept. Yeah. Times are changing. (laughs) No, look, I think, uh, thank you so much guys for taking the time out to, to run the show with me. I'd love to, to just give marketers one little tip. And Jules, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you could give uh, anyone who's going to listen to this show a tip and a bit of advice, what would that be uh, right now? I think the biggest thing about gaming is that people don't necessarily understand what is happening. And it's very hard to grasp the term esports or just even understand how to get involved with gaming, um, often I hear a lot of misconceptions about esports, um, a lot of myths, a lot of stereotypes, um, you know, and I think that there's something that we can clear up there. So, um, something that I would definitely tip marketers on is asking questions and doing some research on the marketing industry locally. Um, there's so much information that can be given and can be shared. It's just about, you know, really finding someone that can. Um, assist you with that and that's exactly what we're trying to do with esports factory so ask questions um, get informed let's you know really educate the esports scene and then uh, let's focus on um, building this community because it's something that you know we can't ignore Um, it's massive it's big it's growing and uh, it's definitely a space you want to be in in the near future 100 percent. thanks so much i think just to wrap it up guys we we're looking forward to uh, continuing the journey and hosting further webinars and shows. Uh, we're going to be debunking all those myths that you marketers uh, have for us. So tune in next week, Wednesday. Time will be confirmed. And uh, bring your questions and let's have a go. Um, yeah, our, our website is esportsfactory.co.za. And uh, please feel free to hit us up uh, on any of our social pages regarding any questions that you'd like to ask in the show or potential suggestions for who you'd like us to host. We've got an exciting lineup coming soon. 
And yeah, guys, stay safe. And uh, remember to take a leap of faith. Ooh. Get gaming.